Good morning, everybody. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I grew up uh, in an Anglican church in a little village. I didn't actually grow up in there, but anyway, <laughs> I went along to it every week. Um, and uh, so every week we would read those words. Um, every week I would dodge the spit as people say, trespasses. And uh, every week, I think I've told you before about what I did with my collection money. I can't remember if I have. Anyway, uh, me and my three brothers, my two brothers, we would sit there in the pew and our mum and dad would give us 20p to put in the collection. Now, the radiators were absolutely burning hot. So one of us would make sure we were sat next to the radiator, leave our 20p on the radiator, and then just in a quiet part in the service, drop it down our brother's neck. So like, ah! <laughs> anyway, that, that's... That's me in, in my Anglican church. Now, I, I, I've grown, to, I've grown to, to love the Anglican church. First of all, if you're visiting here thinking, this is a nice Anglican church, you're right, it is a lovely Anglican church building, but we bought it off the Anglican church a few years back. So anyway, you're still, you're still welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, within these walls, over the years, words have been repeated, words of truth have been repeated over and over again. It's, it's amazing to think about the history of who has been here over the time. I'm going to read the, um, the Lord's Prayer in context from uh, the book of Matthew. Um, we've heard this a few times over the last weeks, if you've, if you've been here, but uh, from Matthew 6, verse 5 to 13. So this is what Jesus says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray, and pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Instead, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, one of the issues that, that I had with um, being in a, a church that repeated the same words over and over again. And I know a lot of people have the, the same issue, that um, it can just become, you, you just end up saying it robotically. I can remember when my friend became a Christian when he was about 16. He came in and he said, why don't people say it with meaning? Because you're just like, our oh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because you say it week in, week out. So that's one of the problems with it. And I mean, we've, we've got to be careful as a church ourselves, as a, a church that doesn't follow a set liturgy, that we don't fall into the trap of thinking, yeah, they got it all wrong. Because actually, we can do exactly the same thing when we say our prayers, can't we? Or when we 
leader service, it can fit into the same patterns. We've got to be careful, that, and there's nothing wrong with set patterns, but we've just got to be careful that we don't sort of slip into this idea that we've got it all sorted and, and others haven't. But the thing is, we've got to really think about what we're saying. And that seems to be the heart of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying don't just babble on or make a huge show of, saying, of what you're saying. You've got to mean what you say. You've got to really mean it. Now, some people are better than others at really meaning what they say, aren't they? We can easily spot the difference between a genuine heartfelt comments and empty words. If your boss looks you in the eye and says, thank you so much for all the hard work you've done, I really appreciate it. Thank you for that. That means a lot more than when you're walking out the door, he says, cheers, see you tomorrow. It it just means a lot more, doesn't it? Now, um, when I was growing up, we uh, used to get to the end of our meal table and we were not allowed to leave the table until we said, excuse me from the table, thank you for my food. That was was the... (laughs) Those are the key words, Faith smiling, because she has to say the same thing. It goes generation to generation. Excuse me from the table, thank you for my food. Now, um, that was the code word for I'd like to get down. Um, I think it also was meant to contain some meaning. And I think that meaning was along the lines of, uh, Mother dearest, thank you so much for that delicious steak and chips you cooked me. Such a sumptuous repast. Now, <laughs> I'm still waiting. Faith, are you listening? I'm still waiting. <laughs> so if we hear a heartfelt thanks for our hard work, then we, we know what it means, don't we? It, it hits us and we think, well, they, they actually mean it, rather than just these words that you have to say to get down from the table. I'll stop looking at you now. Or dare I say it, even, even when we say the words, like these words can just roll off our tongue, love you. We can just say, love you. And uh, that can mean a lot, but it can also just be one of those things that we say. If you compare that to, again, there's something about eye contact, isn't there? Looking your loved one in the eye. I'm not going to look you in the eye now because I know that I'll start crying now. But anyway, looking your loved one in the eye and uh, telling them how much you love them, how much you appreciate about them, saying specific things that you appreciate about them. There's, There's that much more meaning, isn't there, in that? Now, If we can see the difference between what's meaningful and what's not meaningful, how much more can our Heavenly Father, who knows our innermost thoughts and feelings and fears and desires, how much more does He know? He knows what's going on, so don't feel that you've got to fool Him, or don't feel that you even can fool Him with what you've got to say. He just wants to hear what you've got to say honestly. Now, don't get me wrong. If your boss says, good job, that's better than nothing. And if you say, love you, that's better than sitting in silence. And excuse me from the table, thank you for my food, is better than just walking off and not saying anything. And if that's all you can muster up, then that's okay. If all you can do is say, God, help me in the morning, then that's great. That's brilliant. If all you can think to do is to repeat the words of the Lord's Prayer or other liturgy that you might know, then that's brilliant and he loves it. But what he desperately wants is to know our hearts. So if, if you are angry, if you're cross, if you're excited, if you're happy, if you're whatever, tell him that because he knows it already. That's what he wants to hear. Now, I'm, I'm not against repetition either. Repeating things is, is actually a good thing of, 
sort of getting things into our brains, isn't it? Who knows the words of uh, Psalm 23, the start of it? Somebody shout them out. How does it start? There we go. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now, that, that's a, it goes on and on, the, uh, Psalm 23. But something I've done with that and with other passages before is focus on each individual word. So sort of repeat it over and over again, sometimes out loud, sometimes in my head. But if you repeat each word and you emphasize different words, so the Lord is my shepherd. It's not any Lord, it's the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord Almighty is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Right now, he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Yes, he's your shepherd, but he's my shepherd. You see how doing something like that, um, you can, repeating that over and over again, it, it sort of, it goes into you, doesn't it? In a way that if you just read it, it wouldn't do. I'd recommend not doing it while operating heavy machinery. I have a slightly shorter thumb as a result. <laughs> anyway, can I just grab my water there? So I've been, um, <clears throat> I've been repeating some words over and over and over again over the last few weeks. Um, and those words are, give us today our daily bread, because that's what I've been asked to talk about. So I've been thinking about it as I'm cycling to work, as I'm getting up in the morning, whenever it pops into my mind, I've been thinking, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. I've been mulling it over in my mind. And the rest of what I'm going to say is sort of a journey through my mullings. So, <laughs> welcome to my brain. <laughs> now, I started off thinking, um, obviously, it's got to do with um, God giving us everything that we need each day. That's what it's got to be me. That's what it's got to do with. Um, but then I moved on fairly quickly and started thinking, well, there's got to be some deeper meaning here. What is the deeper meaning of it? So, I started thinking about, um, have you, do, does anyone remember the Our Daily Bread readings? So Our Daily Bread is a, a ministry that, is, that was set up in 1938 um, just to spread the word of God around the world. It started off as radio shows and then they started doing booklets and devotionals and TV shows and things. But people who passionately believe that God's word in the Bible, is the truth, and people need to hear it. So you can still get hold of those booklets now, or you can download an app, and there's little videos every day. Um, there are other things available as well, like version. if you haven't come across that, is a brilliant um, Bible app that you can get on your phone. And so you can look up all different translations of the Bible, but also each day it will give you a word, a verse for the day, um, and sometimes even a little devotional thing along with it, so some, some words that you can follow that where somebody's explaining what's going on in that Bible verse. There's loads of different ones around. Word for the day, uh, word for today, and word live as well. I'd recommend, if you, if you haven't explored those, have a look when you've got a moment. Um, have a look at what things are out there, whether they're in book form or, or on your phone. And why? Well, it's because the Word of God, when, it, when we read it, when we let it sink into us, it feeds us. It is like bread. Somebody said uh, these words, I don't know who it was, but the word is meant to be bread for daily use and not cake for special occasions. <laughs> and that, it's true, isn't it? Because, and I know for myself, if I, if I don't read the Bible for a little while, 
then I just, I feel empty. I feel hungry when I do read it. I feel nourished in some way. It's not a physical food, but I do. My mullings went on to thinking about Jesus, the bread of life. Um, Joel's going to read for us in a second. You got the mic ready? Yeah, I only asked him 30 seconds ago, or not 30 seconds, a couple of minutes ago. Anyway, uh, now this is just after one of my favorite parts of the Bible uh, is when Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And that's 5,000 men. There were probably lots of women and children around as well. So it was a pretty phenomenal miracle. Because uh, uh, he told his disciples, go and get some food um, from the crowd that's gathered here to feed them. Um, and the disciples go off and they nick this kid's packed dinner. <laughs> as you do. And I've, I was wondering, why is it a child's packed dinner? Well, the answer to that is we all know what an adult's packed lunch looked like. It's got carrot sticks and low-fat hummus, hasn't it? And <laughs> a dried avocado strips with gojo berry drizzle and <laughs> two water crackers with quark. And you cannot feed anyone with that, let alone 5,000 people. So <laughs> a kid's dinner, on the other hand, now that, that's a meal of champions, isn't it? So he gets these five loaves. Why one kid's got five loaves of bread and two fish? I don't know, but anyway. He gets these five loaves of bread and two fish, and he takes it, and he offers it to God and says, God, this is yours. Thank you for it. Can we feed this lot? He didn't say it exactly like that. But they managed to use that food to feed all of those people, and there were baskets and baskets fulls of food left over, much like from the wedding yesterday. (laughs) Just... After the service, have a look around and find some food. There's bread and stuff everywhere, so please don't go away hungry. There is food for you. Take it away with you. There's cake as well, yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) Joel, would you mind reading, please? Thank you. (laughs) Do you want it in bigger words? There you go. Uh, They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Uh, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. 
For it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at that last day. Thank you, Joe. I am the bread of life. Now, the, the religious Jews, they didn't like that statement at all. Every time Jesus uses the words, I am, he's calling himself God, Yahweh. See, a thousand odd years earlier than that, um, Moses had asked God, when he was talking to God in a burning bush, he'd asked God, what's, what's your name? What should I tell, who should I tell people that you are? And God's response was, I am that I am. I am is God's name. So when Jesus says things like, I am the gate, or I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. What he's saying is, I am God, the good shepherd. I am God, the bread of life. See, there are so many phenomenally profound things that Jesus said, and things that we hear throughout the whole Bible that God has said to us, Things which we sometimes just get so accustomed to hearing that they lose their power, their, their power when it, it hits us. It, it just lose, loses its power when we hear it. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us to hear what you've got to say to us afresh. Help us to grasp it in all its depth. Jesus said to this, this rabble of ordinary people who are following him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And Jesus says the same thing to this rabble of ordinary people. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Have we actually grasped the truth of who Jesus is about what he says? Jesus is God. Now, God chose to step down from heaven and live amongst his creation, who he loves so much. He showed us how to live the perfect way. He told us the truth about our life. He told us the truth about Father God, and about history, and about the future. He confined himself to a human body. To show us what it's like to live as a human is really designed to live. He faced every physical and emotional and spiritual difficulty that we will ever face. And yet he always chose the perfect route, following Father God. He never sinned. God, God made it clear right from the beginning of time that, that if, humani if humanity chose to go its own way rather than serve him, then the punishment would be eternal separation from God. Separation from the source of life, also known as death. So when Jesus was sentenced to death on a cross, he was the only person ever to live who didn't deserve to die. So when he was separated from God the Father for the first time in all of eternity, the sky turned black and rocks shook and tombs cracked open. And the curtain in God's temple, temple that was the, the curtain that separated God's holy place from God's people, that was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So there were three days where Jesus was unjustifiably separated from God the Father. 
And then God broke the chains of death. And death couldn't hold on to him any longer. And Jesus rose again to life. Now this, this is the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ died the death that you and I deserve to die. And he came back to amazing, glorious life so that we don't ever have to die. He is the bread of life, true life. Without that kind of feeding, we're just surviving our way through this life, living off bacon butties. He is the true bread of life. Now, the question is, do we believe it? Has it just got a little bit old hat hearing that? Or maybe you've never heard that truth before. Maybe the truth has never sunk in for you, that God loves you so much and he wants nothing more than for you to say to him, I'm sorry that I haven't recognized you as God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And I turn back to you now and choose to put you first in my life. If that's something that you want to pray, you can pray that yourself on your own. Or you can come and pray with us after the service. Any one of us would be happy to pray that prayer with you. My uh, mullings went on to think about Jesus breaking bread. And we're going to go a little bit Anglican here. We're going to have some words up on the screen. Hopefully. Um, as we go into communion now, um, we're going to read these words together. And as my friend, when he became a Christian, said, try and say it with meaning. <laughs> so, uh, just I'll, I'll put one little point in, because I, I know that otherwise some people will think, oh, I'm not sure I actually believe that one. Uh, right near the end, it says, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Now, what it means is the church all over the world. It doesn't mean we want to sign up to be Roman Catholics. We love them very much. But that's not what we're saying in this prayer. We, we say we are part of the worldwide church. So that's what Catholic means there. Other than that, hopefully you'll believe the rest of it and want to say it. Here we go. <laughs> we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Oh, sorry, different words. (laughs) Carry on. And the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory 
to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. If the people near the communion bits could just uh, pour a few cupfuls in, that would be good. So, the great I am, Jesus, the bread of life, broke bread and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is broken for you. He was willing to give his life for you and I. And he asks us to celebrate that by taking a bit of bread and drinking a bit of wine. There's juice here. And just remembering what that means for us. So the way we do it here is we've got a couple of stations. We've got one down here, one back there. You can come up and grab a piece for yourself. You can grab a bit for your row if you're happy to share cups. Uh, but um, just you're, you are welcome to come and... Uh, take a piece of bread and drink some of uh, the juice, just as a remembering of what Jesus did for you. He was willing to die for you on a cross so that you could be saved. This is something, uh, if, if, you, if you think, actually, I'm not sure that I do quite believe this, then this isn't something for you to, to, to partake in. It says in the Bible that uh, this is for people who do believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord. So if that is you, I welcome you now just to, to come up to the, uh, the tables. It'll be a bit of a rabble, but that's fine. Come up and uh, help yourself to a bit, and let's share in communion.
Well, I said that I'd share with you a few of my uh, ideas, my mullings, about this phrase, give us today our daily bread. And that succession of thoughts is the, um, that's the sequence that my thoughts went in for the first couple of days of thinking about this. And then God challenged me about why I was always looking for these supposed deeper meanings and writing off the obvious meaning as just being too basic. You see, in my mind, and I'm sure in all of our minds, it's absolutely obvious that Jesus is teaching us to pray to God to provide for our actual daily needs. So what I thought was, well, I'll have to share a little bit about that and then I'll go on to the deeper things, the deeper spiritual stuff. But this is the, the crux of what I think God has to say to us, is that there is nothing, nothing more deeply spiritual and miraculous than the fact that God provides everything we need to survive. There's nothing more deeply spiritual or miraculous than the fact that God provides everything 
We need to survive. I think the problem for me is that I'm overcomfortable and therefore complacent in life. Um, and I think if we face it, many of us probably don't have to worry about where we'll find food or shelter tomorrow. Now, I don't want to make mass sweeping generalizations because um, I'm sure that some of us are probably in tricky situations financially. And if that is you, then first of all, I hope that you feel you can pray to God and that he will answer that prayer. And also, I hope that you've got somebody that you can talk to to just share that burden with. Somebody who can help you to um, work out what you could be doing if there's something different you could do or places that you could go to. If you haven't got somebody, then again, come and talk to me and I can help you find somebody or I might be that person myself. You never know. So, now that said, we are, in the UK, we are a relatively wealthy nation, which is an amazing blessing, isn't it? But it's, it's also a pitfall that we've got to be aware of. Give us today our daily bread is a prayer about dependence. And in our culture, ours is one of self-dependence, isn't it? If you have to rely on other people, whether they're friends or family or your neighbors, or if you have to rely on the state, then that's seen as a failure. Now, that moves us to think really selfishly about our own money and our own time and our own possessions. But that's not the way that God does things. We're designed to be entirely dependent on God the Father, treating everything that he gives us as a gift. We shouldn't hold on too tightly to anything because it all belongs to God. When, uh, when we were in Malawi, actually, no, it wasn't when we were in Malawi, it was when I went. Should I tell them when that was? It was when Hannah was heavily pregnant with our first child, and I abandoned her. Anyway, I came back, so that's all right. <laughs> uh, when I was in Malawi, um, I, I got to preach at a church, and this church was about 30-mile cycle ride in the baking sun across the African bush. Um, I quite enjoy cycle, cycling, but uh, that was chuffing hot. Anyway, um, just afterwards, the pastor invited me back to his house, and um, he asked me to, uh, he didn't ask me for lunch, because um, he didn't have any lunch for me, which was fine, um, but he wanted to give me a gift as a thank you, and um, I had a moment just when he disappeared around the, the back of the, his hut, and I just had a look, and his hut, it literally was a mud-walled hut with a grass roof. And um, I had a, a little look inside. He'd, he said I could have a look inside. Didn't just nosy around. Um, he had a, a, a sort of a dirty bed on one side, and he had a, a sort of shelf dresser kind of thing. And on it, I didn't see everything, but it had a couple of plastic cups and a pot and a couple of books. And, I mean, that was it. That was pretty much what he had. Anyway, this, this guy disappeared around the back, and he, um, he came back with a chicken. And the chicken, he was holding it by the legs, like this. And the, the wings are sort of, if you imagine me as a chicken upside down, then the wings were sort of flopped down. Um, and uh, he gave it to me, and he tied the legs together and hung it on the handlebars. This guy who had what we would call nothing... He gave me his chicken. He probably hadn't eaten chicken for a very long time. 
but he was willing to give me that chicken. Anyway, uh, hung it on the handlebars like that, and uh, (laughs) I started cycling back. And it was baking hot, as I said. And I was going over all these lumpy, bumpy potholes and roads, hoping I'm going in the right direction. Um, Come around a corner, about 20 minutes into the ride, and... (laughs) It was not a dead chicken. (laughs) It was a live chicken. (laughs) And I've never been so frightened in my life. (laughs) This, uh, yeah. Anyway, by that evening, it was a dead chicken. And it was the tastiest chicken I've ever had. And I'm not sure if that was because it was a Malawian grassland-fed chicken or because it actually meant something to me that somebody had given me their only chicken for me to eat. But anyway, it was a very tasty chicken. And I was very grateful for it. Some of the, the most joyful and generous people that I have met have been the poorest people, whether that's been... Um, in Malawi or Hungary or Romania or in the UK, some of the people who seem to have the least are the most generous and the most joyful people. It's people who quite literally don't know where their food's going to come from over the next few days that are that much more dependent on God to provide for their next day's meal. But... That is exactly the same situation that I'm in. It's just I don't realize it. They know that they are completely dependent on God for their next meal, whereas I don't know that, if you know what I mean. Another problem that we've got in in our culture is we're, we're just so detached from the source of our daily needs that we just take them for granted I'd imagine if you go out with Les for a week in the woods <laughs> on his survival skills course where you just take a knife and you have to hunt for your own food, then I'd imagine you'd become a lot more grateful for that Tesco delivery when it comes the next time. We're, we're, just, we're, we're probably the first culture to be that detached from our food sources, aren't we, in, you know, in all of history. Uh, but there, there's a danger with that, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant being able to order online and for me to nip up to Aldi and whatever, but we've got to be aware that there is a danger with that, that it is just so much taken for granted. A year ago, I was self-employed, and now I'm not self-employed, I have a salary, and I've noticed that that makes a difference to the way that I think about how my needs are met. There's just an expectation that the money is going to go into the bank each month now. Um, So those of us who are self-employed or maybe on zero-hours contracts, um, you've got that much more uncertainty about when the next paycheck might come. But the truth is, my job still isn't secure. Many of us know that, that jobs can be lost just as easily as they can be picked up. There may be a, a shift in the, the economy or your business closed, it closes down or you may have an unexpected illness. So there's no more certainty there. But I, I'm acutely aware of that in, in my life at the moment, just how it's set me one step away from thinking about being fully dependent on God. Now Mark spoke a few, um, was it last week? No, the, the first week he spoke about God's different name because he was talking about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
God is called the Holy God. That's who he is. Hallowed be your name, Holy God. And it's, it's not that he can sometimes sort of switch on his holiness and sometimes switch it off. That is who he is. He is Holy God. And it's the same when we think about another name of God, which is Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. It's not that some days he provides and some days he just leaves it to Mother Nature. It doesn't work like that. God is the provider. He is the only one who provides. God was... Um, this, I'm moving into a, a fictional story, just so you know. God was once approached by a scientist who said, Listen, God, we've decided we don't need you anymore. Uh, these days, we can just clone people and transplant organs and all that sort of thing. So uh, all the things that used to be considered miraculous, we can just do them. And God replied, You don't need me. Okay, well, how about we put your theory to the test? Why don't we have a competition to see who can make a human being? The scientist agrees and says, uh, why don't we do it like you did in the good old days when you created Adam? Okay, says God. So the scientist, he bends down and he picks up some dirt. And God says, uh, uh, wait, wait a minute, you can get your own dirt. <laughs> so, I mean, first off, let's be clear, I love scientists. And uh, the am- amazing discoveries that, that we make about the world. It is you know, amazing being able to have our eyes open to things that we didn't understand before. But let's not ever become like that scientist, believing that we don't need to depend on God anymore. Everything was created by him and is sustained by him. We might have a grasp on how a grain of wheat germinates and then gathers nutrients from the ground and how it gets pollinated and then fertilized to produce more wheat grain. But let's not ever think that that is not entirely by the miraculous and merciful providence of God. We might think that all the ingenuity of processing that grain and manufacturing and distributing bread from a bread maker comes down to humankind's ingenuity and hard work. But Let's never forget that we are only creative and we're only ingenious because we're made in the image of a creative and hard-working God who is willing to get his hands dirty himself. When Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, he's teaching us to every single day recognize our dependence on God, our Father. Now, as I said at the beginning, God wants us to mean what we say when we talk to him. That's the whole context of Jesus giving this prayer. He's saying, don't just babble on. Mean what you say when you're praying. And I feel like I can, I can sort of look back at when I've said the Lord's Prayer, and I'll say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I can think about those, and I can really mean them. And then I can just do the, give us today our daily bread. And then I can move on to another bit that I really mean. And it's because I kind of think, subconsciously, actually, God, I've got this one sorted. It's all right. We'll move on to the next thing. That's completely wrong to be thinking like that. When we pray, let's really consider the depth of what it means to have our daily needs provided by a loving Father. I'm going to finish off now just reading uh, another bit from the Bible This is literally within the same chapter that Jesus is telling us about how to pray. He goes on to talk about this. 
Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Then he moves on to say, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make, any clo- make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So Lord, we pray, we thank you that you do give us our daily bread. Every day, you provide all of our needs. Thank you and praise you that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Help us to remember that every single day, to recognize where it comes from. Thank you, God. Amen.